love, 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 love being on a, in a church on a mission. And I think you can feel that in our assembly today and feel that by the way Nathan was able to welcome us. And, and, and last week, it was so awesome to have Dave Clayton come and talk to us about living on mission with Jesus. I always like it when you can talk about something that you're already doing pretty good on. And you can go, let's, let's take it a step further. And if you miss any of his four lessons, I'm telling you, you miss some really, really great things. And so you can see where you go, vimeo.com slash Landmark Church. If you're a member here, you probably got emails with them. But whatever you missed, if you missed it all, please go back and listen. Because if you want to understand Landmark Church, you've got to understand the mission we're on. If you don't understand the mission we're on, some of the things we do and don't do will just not make sense to you. But if you understand the mission, everything changes. Now, the great thing about the mission is one thing that Dave said to us in Bible class last Sunday. He said, living on mission flows from intimacy with Christ. It's not forced. It's not pushed. It's not guilt trip. Anybody old enough to remember the old sermons? Either share your faith with somebody or you'll go to hell. That work for you? Really motivate you? No, it just doesn't work. Because what, the only way we're going to share our faith is when, when Jesus is so real to us. And we're using the word in our series, close. When Jesus is so close to us, it just flows out. Now, I was reminded of how I need to be better about that. Um, earlier, this, late this past week, uh, there's a, a young couple, Stephanie and I have gotten to know the last couple years, and just trying to reach out to them some, and so Thursday night, I decided I'd just call, I'll call him Bruce, so I just decided I'd call Bruce, and so just out of nowhere, called him, and we're talking, and um, you know, just sort of pleasantries, and the only place I really see Bruce normally is at the, the Crunch Fitness over there on the boulevard, you know, I sort of dominate there, but um, over on the <laughs> Thank you for laughing. But um, I do talk a lot. But anyway, I've, I've, I've met uh, this Bruce guy. And um, so, so we're talking. I'm just trying to make conversations. So I said, hey, man, have you been to Crunch lately? And he was, um, uh, no, um, I'm not really close to him. I've, I've never really been close to him. And I've, I've thought about it some, but I, I just don't know how to. And I, I said, Bruce, did you hear my question? <laughs> Have you been to Crunch lately? He said, buddy, I thought you asked, have you been to Christ lately? And so the coolest thing happened, I said, man, Bruce, I wish I was that bold. That's the question I should ask. And he was just so blatantly honest, and we just had this conversation, and, you know, hopefully maybe with church with us next Sunday and come to our small group. I mean, it was just really great. But it had been a whole lot better if I'd actually been that bold. Because when you're really full of Jesus, it's going to flow from that intimacy with Him. Let me make this whole idea of living close really, really basic. What does it mean to have a spiritual friendship? It means to make room for Jesus. Don't make it too complicated. It's just saying, in our friendship, there's going to be somebody else in here, and it's going to be Jesus. Some of you probably grew up going to summer Bible camp. Remember those days? And, you know, romance happens quick and ends quick at summer Bible camp. But maybe, you know, you, you've met this young girl and, you know, chapel one day, you're all snuggled up together. And the, count, the camp counselor will come up and say words like this. Hey, guys, be careful. There's room for Jesus in between you guys, all right? I can tell some of you got that speech. There's room for Jesus in between. 
And guys, that's what we're talking about. We talk about building spiritual friendships. It's making room for Jesus. And today we're going to look at a really cool group of friends. It's Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, who are some of Jesus' very closest friends. Let me tell you a little bit about them. They were all siblings. They lived in a little town about six miles out of Jerusalem called Bethany. It seems obvious they may have had a little money because they live in a home. They own a home, and they also had some expensive perfume we're going to talk about in just a little bit. But this was the place that Jesus just loved to hang out. Never been in someone's home and you just felt really, really uncomfortable? I mean, you walk in and it's just really formal and the people are really uptight. I remember some of our relatives we used to visit when I was growing up. If you walked in their house, I mean, they had all these little trinkets that kids could knock over, you know. And there was actually plastic covering all the couches. And down the the carpet, there was plastic. So you just felt like, oh my goodness, uptight, just make it through this thing. That's not how Jesus felt about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. It was the place he just felt comfortable where he could go and actually be at home. You ever been on the other end of that spectrum where you could walk into home, you know, take off your shoes, lay on the couch, raid the refrigerator? I mean, you just felt comfortable enough. If you actually needed a nap, you might just sneak back in the back and take a nap. It was just that level of comfort. Here's what I want you to know. That's what Jesus had with these siblings. And so let's start in Luke chapter 10, and let's just walk through three stories of Jesus and how we can learn about really having spiritual friendships. Look at how comfortable they are with each other in Luke chapter 10, where Jesus, the Scripture says, comes to their home. Verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary. Now, to pay close attention to this next line, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Now, you can imagine this. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. I don't know what your mom's like, but my mom, I mean, she was the perfect southern housewife, and everything was in place. But the two hours before company came was just really terrible time because she wanted it so perfect. And then she did it well. We suffered through it, but she did it well. And then when the company came in, she turned in the sweetest Christian lady you would ever seen. That was just amazing transformation. And guys, can you imagine if you're Martha and, and you got Jesus coming to your home? I mean, how, how well do you want the meal to, to taste? How, how do you want the table to be set? And Martha's all uptight about it. And she looks in the den, and Mary's just goofing off talking to Jesus. And look how comfortable she feels with Jesus. Martha came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? How many people ask Jesus if he cares, all right? Lord, don't you care? My sister's left me to do the work by myself. Jesus intervened. Tell her to help me. That's, that's awesome. And then Jesus says, Martha, Martha. Now, you know you're in trouble anytime the Lord says your name twice, all right? He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Literally, you are so uptight with so many things, but only a few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. 
What a scene. First thing I want you to understand about spiritual friends is that spiritual friends are comfortable with each other. So often we talk about, you know, let's have a spiritual friend. Like, Ooh, that's going to be so tight, man. We've got to talk about God, and we've got to open the Bible. We got to... No, no, no. Spiritual friends start off by just being comfortable with each other. There's got to be a level of comfort. There's got to be a level of chemistry. And that's what you see in this story. You know, Martha's not afraid to even question Jesus. Mary's not afraid to sit at Jesus' feet. Now we think, well, what's the big deal about that? My friends... The words there, she sat at Jesus' feet, are the words used in the first century to say she was a disciple of Jesus. That was unheard of for a woman to be discipled by a man. And yet she's there. And Jesus feels comfortable enough to put Martha in her, in his, in her place. She, he, he's willing to go, hey, you know, Martha, I really don't care if the house looks like a southern living house. I really don't care if it's a five-course meal. I'd just really like to be close to you. That, that, that's really why I'm here. Now think about this for a second. In Bible class upstairs in the 40s and 50s, there was a lot of talk about this. Think about how far people have come with God. I love that scene in Isaiah 6, where Isaiah comes in the presence of God. And, and we think, oh, yay, in the presence of God, that is so cool. That's not what Isaiah thought. He says, I'm an undone man, and I've got unclean lips, and I don't deserve to be around you. It's where we get the, the song, holy, 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 because that's, that's what the angels were saying, different, 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 above, above, above. That's what you are. And Isaiah said, hey, guys, I don't belong here. Get away from me. Stay away from me. So all the way from that, where, where God's so holy for us to be in his presence is to mess things up. Till we get over here to Luke chapter 10, and Jesus says, I want to hang out with you. What's changed? Guys, in, in the new covenant, in what Jesus is doing, when an unholy person comes into his presence, we are made holy. And therefore, we can have that relationship. We're not living in guilt. We're not living with this evil conscience, this, this um, guilty conscience. We are living in a place where, hey, I can be close to him. And so I love this scene. So the first thing about having spiritual friends is that, that you just feel comfortable together. You know, that's, again, for some of us, that's a little bit of a struggle. Years ago, I used to do, um, when I'd start a one-on-one Bible study with someone in my office, the first thing I would do is after they'd sit down, I'd say, hey, man, what do you think you'd feel like if Jesus walked in here right now, if he came right through that door? And guys, here's what I got 99% of the time. I would be so scared. I think he'd be so mad at me. I mean, I'd just feel exposed. I mean, I'd, I mean I'd. and here's the good news you're able to share because of Jesus. Oh, no, no. You know, the people who felt the most comfortable with Jesus, it seemed like it was the people with the most sins. I mean, because of his holiness being imparted on us, people could come in the presence of God and they could feel comfortable so if we talk about having a spiritual friendship, you go, well, I, I like friendship idea, but not the Jesus part. You're missing out on the best part. In fact, that's our second point. Spiritual friends pay attention to Jesus. That's why Jesus commends Mary. Martha thinks she's just goofing off. Jesus thinks she's doing the most eternal thing she's ever done in her life, spending time with him. 
And that's what's great about spiritual friendship, is you're always pointing each other to Jesus. A lot of times we say, well, you know, I'm in that small group with those folks, so I just don't have anything in common with them. I dare you say that if they're Christians. You got the most in common with them. And, and, and your goal is to, to point each other to Jesus. So if I'm going through a tough time, you might be the one to say, hey, what do you think Jesus would do in this situation at work? Or if I'm struggling in my marriage, how do you think Jesus would handle the hurt we feel between each other? What, what would, be, would his prescription be? Or if you got a friendship that's gone south, what, what, how would Jesus handle this? Someone's really done you wrong? What would Jesus do? I mean, goodness, he's already forgiven me of so much. And so spiritual friends pay attention to Jesus. Because we, we, got this, we have this common standard, okay? What's going on in your life? Where do we go? We go to the Word of God. What do we look specifically at? Closely, the character and life of Jesus. That's our model. So I ask you, do you have a friend you feel comfortable enough to actually point each other to Jesus so that you both can become more like him? That's who you want. It's like going to a counselor. And most of us, we had some, some big problems, and hey, I, I believe in counseling. I think it's a good thing. But normally, I'm going to say to you, and you'd probably say to me, okay, you, you probably need to go to that counselor, but make sure you go to a Christian counselor. Why? Because if they don't understand the standards of Jesus, they may give you some really, really bad advice. But if they understand Jesus, you're all pointing in the same direction. So you all point to Jesus. And here's the great thing about a spiritual friendship that's so basic. Because here, here I am. Here's my friend or group of friends. The closer I grow to Jesus, the closer you grow to Jesus, automatically the closer we grow to each other. So let's go to the next story. Go to, to John chapter 11. And then we see these three again. And it's quite a scene. John chapter 11. Let's read these first three verses. So here's, you, you know this story. It's at the death of Lazarus. We got Lazarus dead, Mary and Martha mad. Let's watch at it. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary who whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. We'll see that in a minute. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Wouldn't you like, like that? If you were sick and someone was talking to God, they say, hey, God, the one you love is sick. And obviously, Jesus didn't need to hear the word Lazarus. All he needed to hear is the one you love is sick. And, and so, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death, though it's for the Lord's glory, so God's Son may be glorified through it. And then for emphasis, we, we are, we're told how much he loved all of them. Now, Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus, and her sister and Lazarus. I mean, again, guys, the, these guys are tight friends. But their friendship is tested in the next verse. You're not going to see it on the screen. I want you to open your ears up. So... When Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. In their eyes, Jesus dilly-dallies around, and guess what happens? Lazarus dies. That's one thing if you didn't really believe Jesus could do something about it. But they knew he could. 
They'd seen him heal so many people. They'd seen him raise the dead. They'd seen him even raise the son of a pagan Roman centurion. Now, we're the folks he loves. We're his best friends. Of course. He doesn't even have to come. He can just long distance it. Jesus doesn't long distance it. He doesn't even come. And Lazarus died. So, so when they get here, guys, and this is pretty radical. These girls are mad. They are really mad at Jesus. Go down with me to verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, can you imagine saying this? My brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know, I know, I know. He'll rise again the resurrection of the last day. But that's not helping me right now. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever believes in me, believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And then Martha makes a great confession. Yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God, who's come into the world. That's her problem. She knows who he is. She knows how powerful he is. And he has not come through. And if you keep reading the chapter, obviously Mary and Martha had talked a lot about this because when Mary runs out to meet Jesus, she says the exact verbatim same words. They're mad. So let me make this point. Spiritual friends talk about difficult issues. Now, we know the end of the story, but you got to camp out where we were just for a moment. They don't know. They're just mad. And let me tell you this. To show how much Jesus loved these girls, he, he's, he's awfully sad. He's uh, moved in his spirit. We get the, the, our favorite memory verse in all the Bible. Anybody can tell it to me? Just recite it. Man, you guys are sharp. Jesus wept, all right? Now, why is Jesus weeping? Let me tell you, first of all, he's not weeping over Lazarus. Because in just a few moments, he's going to call him by name now. And he's coming out of the grave. God, what's he weeping? He's weeping because Mary and Martha are hurt. And even knowing he's going to heal it, he still feels it. And when you have a spiritual friend, you... You can have difficult conversations because you know beneath it they love you. The wise man said, better an open rebuke than love that's concealed. The wounds of a friend are healing. What's he saying? When you got somebody, you know they love you. They love Jesus. You love them. You love Jesus. You want the best for each other. Even... If they wound you, you can get past it. Let me just say this real quick, quickly. Guys, if you get close to anybody, whether it be marriage, whether it be friendship, they're going to hurt you at some point. You ever heard some married couple say, we've never been in an argument. What do you say about that? They are what? They're liars. Thank you. Say it together. They're liars. You feel better now? They're just liars. In a close friendship, you're going to get close enough to each other that somewhere, somehow, you're going to hurt each other. But the great thing about spiritual friendships is because of Jesus, we can have difficult talks. Not only are spiritual friends sort of with each other during difficult times, they actually can 
talk to each other even when the difficult time is brought on by the other. Let's go to another story, one more story, okay? John chapter 12. Jesus is just about to die on the cross, and the one person that seems sensitive about it is one of these siblings, Mary. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus has raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha, of course, is serving, while Lazarus among those reclining at the table with him. And so here comes Mary. Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet, and she wiped his feet with her hair. That, for a, a Jewish woman in the first century, that was unheard of and completely embarrassing. She didn't care. She just knew she loved Jesus. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, the bean counter, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray Jesus, objected. It sounds like a legitimate objection. It's a waste of money. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. That's some pretty expensive perfume. Now, he didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As the keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So, so Judas is just wanting to get more money out of Jesus. But listen to what Jesus says. I love this. Leave her alone. This is not the bean counting moment. This is the moment where I'm about to die. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Write this down. Spiritual friends are attentive and responsive. Listen, guys, you know this. I know this. All through the Gospels, almost every other page, Jesus tells the people around him that he's going to die on a cross. But they seem oblivious. They just don't get it. Sometimes I'm there too. They just don't get it. But the one person who actually must have listened, who actually got it, was Mary. She knows what's going on. While Judas and the disciples argue about money, she's only concerned about Jesus. And, And so she takes the most expensive thing she has and she pours it all over his feet. She's attentive and she's responsive. Guys, you want to know who's going to be a good spiritual friend to you? It's someone who actually listens when you share a hurt and actually responds to it. Maybe last week in church you, you walked forward, or maybe over lunch you said, you know, this is going on in my family, or I'm struggling with this, or this is what's happening right now at my job. The great friend's the person who next week runs into your church and said, how are you doing with that? Who listened to you over lunch and calls you a few days later and says, I heard your heart, I've been praying for you, what, what's happening? You see, spiritual friends are responsive and attentive, and you're talking about at just the right moment? Guys, listen to me. This scene in John chapter 12 is about two days before Jesus is on the cross. Here's what I believe. I believe when Jesus is on that cross with spit running down his face and blood out of his veins being screamed at, I believe he could still smell the aroma of Mary's perfume. Can you imagine what that meant to him? And guys, that's what a friendship will do do for you. 
a friendship that's centered on God. So let's make one more point. Not only are spiritual friends attentive and responsive, here's the deal here, guys. Spiritual friends make an eternal difference. Spiritual friends may decide whether you're going to heaven or not. I mean, Lazarus gets the great end of this deal. Lazarus, guess what? He goes to heaven twice. Can you imagine the book he wrote in between? Four days in heaven and what I learned and what I could teach you. That had to be a bestseller. What was the book before? 90 minutes in heaven, 60 minutes in heaven? I mean, Lazarus experiences it. He's probably not so happy about being resurrected, actually. But later on, he dies and he goes back. And you remember what Jesus said to Mary? One translation puts it this way. Martha, you're so uptight about so many things that really don't matter. Mary has chosen the one thing that will never, never be taken away from her. You see, guys, that's the great thing about spiritual friendships is they help each other. We help each other get to heaven. We help each other be more like Jesus. You've probably got that friend that you're just a better person when you're around them. You just, I mean, and we all have those friends that we're not. I mean, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, evil companions corrupt good morals. Let me just tell you, let me be honest with you. You hang out with the wrong people, you're going to become like them. And if you look down your friend list right now, and most of them are not fired up Christians, you will probably not be a fired up Christian. They will corrupt you. But here's the good news this morning. The inverse is also true. Good companions will help lift up your morals. Good companions will make you more like Jesus. Because Christianity is not a loner sport. It's a team sport. We only do good when we're together. That's why Jesus put you in this crazy thing we call a church. And let me just be honest with you. He didn't put you here just to sit in here this morning. He put you here for it to be more than that. Now, let's just stop and be honest just for a moment. This is rather unnatural for many of us, right? Now, we've been talking about it for weeks, and it's like, oh, man, is he going to talk about spiritual friendship again? I just love the logo, okay? I mean, so he can talk about spiritual friendship again? Yeah, we need to, guys. Because what makes me so sad is so many people I've heard from who go, I really don't have what you're talking about. And so my challenge for us today is even if this is unnatural, even if you feel a little awkward, be praying about and looking for that friend. I mean, guys, it's, it can be awkward for me. I got a, a text from a, a young man I ate lunch with earlier this week. And it was, um, I got back to the office and then he texted me and said, I just realized we went through our whole lunch and did not talk about football once. I think that says a lot about our friendship. Unfortunately, it does. Can you imagine Nathan going through announcements without talking about Alabama football? It was just, just sort, of, sort of amazing. And, and, and I love when he said that because I was like, I didn't even notice that. But this young man's fired up for God. And I'm telling you, he helped me. And we prayed together. It was great. And my friends, when you begin to have spiritual friends like that, you know what? I mean, you can talk about football. That's okay. You can, you can be concerned about some of the many things Martha was worried about, but that's not your focus. That's not what really has your attention. It's really all back to Jesus. 
And so speaking of getting back to Jesus, go ahead and take your communion supplies out, and we're going to take communion together. Um, I've got two challenges during communion for you and for me. Um, We're going to spend two minutes and just, yeah, if you need to come get, there's some up here, some around the worship center. We're going to spend two minutes in silence, okay? And that's challenge number one. Have an honest talk with Jesus. And I'm not talking about a guilt talk. I'm not talking about, you know, our normal words when we think about being around Jesus. Oh, I'm so uncomfortable. I'm so sorry I did this. You might need to say that, but probably not. How about some ways Jesus has hurt you? How about some prayers he didn't answer? How about some things in your life that happened in your childhood that still affect you today? And I'm just saying, because we learn from these stories is that Jesus can handle our beef. Jesus can handle us going, I don't understand why you didn't show up. I'm not okay with this. In fact, guys, he would rather that than you give him the cold shoulder. He just wants to have a conversation with you. And so over those ne- this next two minutes, I just, just want you to, to have that honest talk about whatever you need to say to Jesus. And then the worship team will come up. And, and during that, if you feel comfortable, lean to someone sitting beside you or behind you in front of you. And just have a little honest talk about your friendship with Jesus. Because that's what communion is supposed to be. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to be vertical and horizontal. So what do you need to say with Jesus? What do you need to say to, to someone beside you? If you don't feel comfortable, just enjoy it. But this, this could be a real meaningful time. Let's pray. God, God, we thank you for all these stories about friendship. I love this one because um, this, this is such a just true, honest friendship where Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Jesus have this great comfortability with each other and great ability to challenge each other and talk to each other, even complain about what Jesus didn't do. If I were too often, we, we don't understand that our friendship with Jesus could look that way. In fact, that's when it can get really real. So, Lord, over the next couple minutes, may we talk about to you what we need to talk about. And, Father, the reason we can do this is like any friendship, if, if I know you love me, then we can have the difficult conversations. If I don't know that, we probably won't do real well. And as we take communion together, we take the body and the blood, there's no moment in our week where we know more about your love. So it's in the context of this love, knowing how much you love us, that we can be honest with you and honest with each other. I pray all this in Jesus' name, our best friend. Amen. Please be seated. I hope you've beheld God through this message. sort of crazy to think that a holy God wants a friendship with me. He wants a friendship with you. You know, us as a church, one of our goals is that everybody in here has a spiritual friend. Too many of us live without that. So I want to close with just two real practical challenges. Number one, I want you to know that Landmark intentionally creates environments where spiritual friendships can be made. I mean, you know, many of us, you know, you, you want it. I, 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 let me tell you this. We can't guarantee it. We can't make people be friends. 
But what we can do as a church is create environments where it's, it's possible. Because as good as this is, and my, it's been good today, this is not enough. Because you're going to go walk through a difficult world and a difficult life, and you're going to need someone you can lean on, someone you could call in the middle of the night. You need a spiritual friend. That's why as a church, we, we, we proudly say we're a small group church. We don't think you're going to completely do church unless you find yourself like they did in the first century in these small groups and homes and buildings where you can share. And so we really work really hard. And right now, we've been through a tough time in our small group ministry. There's some really awesome small groups going on. There's some brand new ones that have just started. But through COVID, we lost a lot of groups. Over the last few months, you've noticed we've welcomed a lot of new people. And we need to be able to find places for them to have that experience. And right now, it's a little hard. And some of you probably, after being in groups for a long time, COVID got you out of the habit, and you just sort of dropped off of your groups even quit. That's all right. January is our new beginning. January, we're going to do a complete reorg. And we're going to need some of you folks to step up to be leaders, to be hosts. We're going to need to be reminded of what makes a great small group and what doesn't. And so I'm really excited about January. Hold on with us. Be dreaming. Be thinking about what you could do as a participant or possibly even as a facilitator leader in our small group ministry. But here's the point I want to close with this morning. That's to you and me. You must intentionally make room for Jesus. There's going to have to be an intentionality about it. Because, you know, no matter how many times we get together, if we don't have Jesus in common, it's not going to be a spiritual friendship. So I've got to decide to put Jesus in the center of my life and make room for him in my heart. And you've got to make the same decision. And guys, here's our problem is Jesus normally gets crowded out in our culture. I mean, most of us are are not making an evil choice any more than Martha made an evil choice. Is she back in the kitchen while Mary's talking to Jesus? Is she back there smoking a joint? Maybe your message translation says that, but mine doesn't, all right? I mean, she's just back there. She's not doing something evil. But Jesus said what Mary did was better. It's the best. And so often, guys, what we do is we choose some really good things that won't make an eternal difference instead of choosing the best things. You know what Jesus said to Mary about her choice? This will never be taken away from you. Because in the long run, what's going to matter is your relationship with Jesus that's encouraged by your relationships in this family. But here's what you've got to understand here. Jesus said about Mary, listen closely, Mary has chosen what is best. Jesus didn't force his friendship on Mary, or he won't do it with you. And you and I can use all kinds of excuses and all of our busyness, or someone hurt us there, whatever. I understand all those things. Talk to God about them. But in in some point in your life, you and I have got to choose Jesus over all the many distractions around us. You need to make that choice. So today, if, if you're ready to follow Jesus, if, if you're blown away by this God who actually is perfect, who yet wants a friendship with you because he can forgive every bad thing, he can make you holy. 
Or if you're lonely and you don't have these kind of friendships and you want us to pray for you. Or maybe you're in this church and you're even hurt. We're big folks. We can handle it. Or, or maybe you just say, you know what? My life is so crazy busy and I didn't mean to get here where everything comes before Jesus and everything else comes before church, but that's sort of where I am. And, and today I want to make a choice and I want everybody in here to know about it and pray about it. Mary has chosen what is best and it will never be taken away from here. If you need to make that choice today, Come right now as we stand together and sing.